Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Max, how is it going? I am uh, going good. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, it's nice. We were we were away in Europe for a couple weeks. You are back from Europe. I feel like you've been gone for a couple weeks. What were you doing there? We uh, had some shows. We um, What did we do? Okay, we were in Germany. Uh, no, actually, we, we started in uh, Amsterdam. Ooh. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of Did you get high in Amsterdam? Nah, I didn't do that. Oh, you know, you're such I, a good boy. I know, I know, Mama's boy. Um, then we went to Germany and uh, we got to play a cool uh, festival in uh, near the Baltic Sea, Rolling Stone Weekender Festival, oh. where we shared the bill with the uh, Alabama Shakes. Hey, and uh, Steve Earle. What's the singer of Alabama Shakes name? Uh, Brittany. Brittany. That's Brittany it. Howard. Did, did you speak with Brittany? No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I saw her, but I didn't want to. You know geek out too hard no actually here's a question for you because mm-hmm. uh, i was just reminded me this is sort of unrelated but um thing about the blue jays and all the hysteria that was going on in the city yeah and uh, i had to take a go bus home back to hamilton um and it happened to be just as one of the jays games was ending yeah. in the playoffs and they just lost Oof. so anyway the bus is packed i don't get a, a spot i have to stand and if for anybody uh who's local will probably know what i'm talking about if you don't if you don't live around here, the go bus that goes to Hamilton is about an hour long from Toronto to Hamilton, from Toronto to Hamilton. And, uh, they'll let you stand in the aisle for the whole hour. They'll pack the full bus. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone will get a seat and then the middle aisle, they'll just fill up with standers. Yeah. And typically, uh, the go, go service is pretty great and you don't have to do that. But like after a big event at the Air Canada center or the Skydome, you might have to stand, which sucks. Anyway, we just come from the recording studio. I'm really tired and everyone's kind of in a bad mood on the bus because the Jays just lost and I have to stand in the aisle and there are these two guys sort of in the row in front of me that are clearly drunk and just talking really loud, not in a funny way, just like kind of, you know, when those are angry people that are drunk and you can just tell they're not even, they're not like laughing at all. They're just sort of like talking angrily about stuff. Right. So I put my headphones in because I'm like, I can't listen to this or whatever. So about 15 minutes into the, the bus trip, w- one of the, I start hearing yelling. So I take out my earbuds and the guys in front of that row turn around and go, will you shut the f*** up? No one wants to hear you f***ing talk on this bus. And then the, the guys who were talking who have been called out, they, of course, get offended by it. They're, they're not like shamed at all. They're like, no, f- you oh, and i'm just like oh god <laughs> so uh and then the and then you hear these girls sort of behind me like yeah you're bullying everybody on the bus you're talking stop being a bully so basically everybody hates these two guys that we're talking really and they're about. being defined and in their face be- of uh <laughs> criticism <laughs> exactly they're being so defiant <laughs> and so they start yelling at each other and i'm and, I, and so and i sort of go i'm just like guys guys it's okay it's okay <laughs> It's going to be okay, guys. Guys, it's okay. Guys, it's okay. I just kept on saying, it's going to be okay. Because I thought that's sort of like what it, you should... Maybe it would calm things? Yeah, it would calm things a little bit. And then I was like, guys, guys, we've all had a long day. We've just had a long day, guys. Our driver's just trying to get us back to Hamilton. We just had a long day. Guys, we just had a long day. It's okay. We've had a long day. I just kept repeating that. And then things sort of quieted down a little bit, so... Also, I was thinking, though, if things really got out of hand, what I would do. Mm. And if I broke up the fight and then people were like, 
the lead singer of the Arkells just broke up a fight on the bus. <laughs> what a hero I'd be. It'd be great. You should have tried to incite a fight, actually. You're going to let them try to make you be quiet? I mean, this this bus is for everybody, I, man. I know. Anyway, it didn't lead to that. It, they, the guys eventually quieted down, and it was a relatively peaceful Did ride. any of those people recognize you as a singer of the Arkells? No, nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on that bus so much. I, I was, uh, we just got a gold record, which I think we mentioned in a previous podcast. Um, and I was bringing it home to Toronto to deliver to my parents. And I took the go bus home with my gold record. Underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in a towel so not to attract too much attention. Yeah. But, That's so very Arkelsian of you to take the go bus with your gold record. Yeah. You know, I love the go bus. I took yeah. it today in here. It's yeah. great. I want a sponsorship deal with the GoBus. You, you've mentioned the go bus now about 16 times. I know that, that's good ad money, right? That now. is good yeah. ad money. Max, we have a great show today. Uh, our feature guest is Troy Savant. Mm-hmm. That's how you said that, Savant? Troy Savant. 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 <laughs> I don't know what kind of... Yes, but uh, Troy is a very popular uh, YouTuber. He's also a musician with music out right now. Um, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. Troy's also known for, sort of at a very young age, coming out online um, and sort of sharing his experiences with the world. I think one of the reasons he's so popular is because he's so candid on YouTube. Very honest. Yes. He does these great uh, Ask Troy uh, Q&As. Q&As. Yeah, where fans can tweet at him. Yeah, and then he he answers them. And they're really sharply edited. Like, the whole thing, it's like, I found myself kind of getting into him and learning, like, feeling I knew him pretty quickly. Yeah. Just based on those, those videos. They're great. Let's get to it. Um, all right, well, let's just jump into this thing. Cool. So, yeah, like, despite, you know, your relatively young age, um, like, you've been involved in music and performing for a very long time. Um, did you find that you're, like, sort of a naturally ambitious person? I think so, probably. You know, I um, I think I've always been just, like, really creative. Like, I've always wanted to make stuff, you know. I, like, I remember when my parents first got a video camera, I was trying to, like, make films and, like, you know, use, like, cool effects and stuff like that and then I would you know like import the footage into my laptop and like try and edit it there and just like you know and then I went and found logic and started like trying to make beats and stuff like that and um, writing songs and just it was always just fun for me all of that stuff and then I guess um, yeah I guess with that came ambition you know what I mean I like you want to do, so you have this need to create but then you want to sort of like do something with what you've created right well as well I just I wanted it to be my job and like I just can't imagine myself doing anything else other than, you know, being creative, you know, whether that's being like a songwriter or a singer or both or an actor or making YouTube videos, whatever it was, I just knew that um, that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Was there, I mean, with acting and music, was there a first sort of love? Was it like, I want to be an actor or I want to be a musician? I'd say music is like, it was music was the first love for sure. Um, I only really found acting when I was like 14 and I I started singing when I was like way younger than that. Um, and yeah, I don't know, I guess I, I kind of stumbled into acting and music has always just been like number one for me. So you're sort of creating music, writing songs in the beginning and then acting. How did, like, how do you stumble into acting? Is it something where it's So like- a manager found me on YouTube. I was singing on YouTube and a manager found me and he was like, look, I don't really know the music industry. I only really know the acting world. Have you done acting before? And I was like, no. And he was like, do you want to? And I was like, sure, I'll give it a go. And, um... <laughs> The first audition that he sent through was for a movie called X-Men Origins Wolverine and yeah. I ended up getting the part and doing that and so um, that was like my first sort of introduction into the whole acting world. That's a, I loved it. So Yeah, that's a pretty big home run for your first try to right. get into like a major motion picture, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was really 
a, a good like welcoming into the industry. Do you remember the moment when you sort of found out you got the role? I do. I was at school and my mum came to the school and um, so a teacher was like, oh, Troy, you need to go to the office or whatever. And my mum was waiting there and told me. Really? I'd been like not really sleeping for two weeks because I guess it was probably out of naivety. I didn't understand the way that the acting industry worked and that like often you'll do an audition and just never hear anything and that's their way of telling you obviously that you didn't get the part. But I was like waiting, like with bated breath and um, yeah, found out that I actually did get it. Was it like pure elation? Were you just yeah, totally, totally. I I don't even remember if I stayed at school for the rest of the day or if I just like went home. I was just so excited. <laughs> um, you're saying music first. Was there? I mean, do you remember sort of your first favorite band or artist that really got you? Like you're like, I want to create. I want to do that. I want to make that kind of music. Yeah. So Michael Jackson. I'd say you know my parents had like a Michael Jackson concert on VHS, and um, they. I just used to watch it as like a little kid and we've got like home videos of me watching it when I was literally like two and um, yeah. I Were was you just, doing the dance moves and stuff? Yeah, trying to right, and right. it was just like waddling because I was a toddler <laughs> and it was just always really, really interesting to me and um, yeah, I knew that I wanted to try and do that. And then, I mean, you said you fell into acting, but had you like, were you into movies and film? Was there anything in particular that you sort of loved? Not necessarily. I mean, I... Funnily enough, I actually did love the X-Men series before oh. I auditioned. That's probably why I was so excited as well. Um, yeah, I just like, you know, I was just like a normal 13-year-old kid. I loved superhero movies and, um, yeah. I don't know, I didn't, I hadn't thought about acting really. You know, the, the only time that I'd ever thought about acting was, I guess, musical theatre. Mm -hmm. um, I did, like, Oliver on the stage. And um, so I was like, sometimes, I guess, to be able to sing, I'm going to have to act as well. Uh, but I never thought of it, you know, of doing it on its own. Mm -hmm. So you're creating from a young age, you sort of show this sort of inclination to, to make things. Do you remember the conversation you had with your parents where you're like, I want this to sort of be my career? And like, were they supportive, like from the start? I don't think it was necessarily one conversation. I think it was just like, you know, my parents have always just said that it was really, really clear from the very beginning that this is what I wanted. Um, and yeah, they, they've been really supportive the whole time, like just completely you know, never for one second telling me that, you know, it doesn't work out for a lot of people. They never gave me that whole spiel. The of like, odds. Yeah, yeah. No, they never ever gave me that talk and um, always just said that I could, you know, well, just like keep working hard and you can, you can do it. And um, yeah, it, it got to the point where I think enough things started working out that even they probably got like a bit of a shock and they were like, oh, okay, well, it's like actually happening now. So let's just like keep letting him do whatever he wants to do and you know keep like keep him on this path um and yeah i'm so thankful that they did that because you know had they even given me like the plan b speech you know whereas like um when i was younger i think i just would have had so much more doubt and and i don't know if i would have like pursued it as like vehemently as i have mm -hmm. um are they creative people they love music my whole family loves music and always has but um not necessarily like creative themselves. My mom was like in the industry, she was a model when she was younger and um, ended up becoming an agent for a while in South Africa and then became a stay-at-home mom when she had kids. Mm -hmm. So um, it sort of runs in the family, I guess, but yeah, not really. <laughs> My dad's a real estate agent, so. Gotcha, so he's completely outside yeah. of the, the whole business. Um, you were saying like once things started happening, and I mean, your career's going amazingly. Uh, Thank you. Um, which is really exciting. Have there been parts of it that, like, have been... You didn't anticipate accelerating so quick? Um, 
Yeah, it feels like it's, you know, it feels like it was building really, really steadily for a while, and then all of a sudden it's like really, really ramped up recently. But at the same time, it's like my whole life, ever since I've started doing this, everything has felt like the biggest deal in the world to me at that particular time. Mm -hmm. You know, like I remember one of the first big things that happened to me was I won my school talent quest, and there's like only 200 kids in my school, so it wasn't that big of a deal. A talent quest? Yeah. Like, Is that like a talent contest? I guess, yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And so I won the talent show, or whatever. Um, and that to me was like the pinnacle, that was it. You know, I had like done it. And so then, I guess then it was setting my sights on a different thing, and I started to travel for singing. And once I was traveling, that was like, again, that was it. And so, um, yeah, I guess it's just sort of been like every step of the way, it's just like amplify my ambitions and expectations and then hopefully like reach that goal. On the other side, have there been parts of it that have sort of not gone as fast as you want? Um, Think, like, have, Has there been any disappointments? I mean, you've, you've had so much success relatively early, but have there been things along the way where you've gone, oh shit, you know, I wish that had worked out a little more or I want Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think that I don't necessarily... Yeah, it's, it's just more like the mindset is rather than like it being a... a dis I guess I do get disappointed sometimes, but then um, it's just about like, I guess, figuring out an alternate route, you know what I mean? Like, um, this makes it all sound really, really thought out, and it wasn't necessarily this thought out, but um, being from Perth where there's not necessarily like much of a music, music industry or anything like that, it was like, okay, so how am I going to do this? Well, you know, I, I guess I was disappointed that I found out that there was no record labels in Perth or anything like that, so I didn't know how I was going to get started. But then I found the internet, and, and that became like the alternate route, you know? And um, I took a big break from singing. I wasn't sure if I was going to be a singer, um, professionally at least. I knew that it was always going to be like the love of my life back home, but um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it professionally. And then, so I just completely focused on YouTube for a while and acting, and, and then, you know, wrote a song in my bedroom, put it up on YouTube, and ended up getting signed from that. So I guess. I'm not at all a religious person, but I guess I just have faith that, like, things will, you know, if something is meant to happen, then it, it will find its way, you know, to happen. Um, it might not be the necessarily the way that you expect it to, but it'll happen if it's supposed to. So the draw for YouTube was sort of a way to, to get your stuff out there. Like, I mean, I guess, what was the initial draw outside of that? Was it, I want to connect with people, or I just need to sort of express and be seen? Immediate, like, at that very moment that I posted my first YouTube video, it was a, I was covering another YouTuber's song and she had a million views on YouTube and that was like the biggest deal in the world to me and so I wanted her to see my video and so I uploaded a video response to her video and mm. she saw it and so and because she was featured on the front page so did like a thousand other people see it and it was in 2007 and um, I remember thinking well at the talent show that I just did there was only like 200 people there and now I went to sleep and I woke up and I had a thousand people watch my song. So this is working way better than than, yeah. than doing talent shows. And so um, then I guess, yeah, it was like a fairly calculated like thing of like, okay, this is just working smarter instead of harder. You know what sure. I mean? Once you saw the light, it was like, okay, yeah. I can just really work super hard and this and is like my outlet. getting comments that weren't English, I was like, well, where is that person even from? They just watched me sing. Yeah. Like, it was cool. In the beginning, were you sort of, I mean, like everybody does, were you obsessed with the comments and people's reaction? And I mean, does that carry over now? I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Um, not as much, you know, I think um, you can definitely get like sucked into it. And especially with like, um, 
I don't know, you can get sucked into like just watching view counts and dislikes and likes and comments and stuff, but um, yeah, I don't know, I'll, I'll upload a video and like check at the end of the day and then maybe the next like two days I'll, I'll look at the video and just see it's doing well or it's not doing that well or you know the comments are really really positive or there's like a couple of people that are saying this this and this and then after that I pretty much don't check it anymore sure. um, yeah I've heard um, you know they say that you know when people read comments on their own sort of work you can have like 10 positive comments and then one negative comment and it's almost like those 10 get wiped out by the negative do you do you sort of how do you balance that or does that even are you like you know what that's one negative I focus on the positive or does the negative one sort of like mar those other 10 well, for me, it was always really, really easy to look past it, and I don't know why. I think maybe it was because there was so much positive stuff, or I now, in hindsight, think that maybe I just didn't care enough about what I was putting out, whereas now, when I put out stuff that I'm really, really invested in and yeah. very, very, very proud of, um, but of course, I have my insecurities about what I'm putting out. If somebody finds one of those insecurities and comments on it, and it's something that I care about so deeply, then it's like it hurts a lot more than you know faggot or sure. whatever <laughs> blanket <laughs> criticism right yeah 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 um i mean between talking openly about your sexuality um you know safe sex etc like you strike me as someone you know with inherent sort of leadership qualities you know like your ability to, to speak to people and sort of speak on certain topics Thank like you. <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's it's pretty remarkable have you always been outgoing and comfortable with yourself um i wouldn't i mean i'd say i've always been fairly comfortable with myself but like at school I was never like the leader or whatever like I, I mean I didn't like sport so I think that was like a serious disadvantage for me at school um yeah I don't know I was never like one of the boys I always like I had like two friends like two really good friends and then started hanging out with a group of girls when I got to high school and that was like not necessarily the cool thing to do right. so um yeah I don't know I don't think I ever really thought about it that much to be honest the internet for me I never expected anyone in my real life to ever see what I was doing online because like my friends they have Instagram but they don't have Twitter or like they'll have um, I don't know none of them have YouTube accounts or anything like that so it was always like a safe place for me where I could just upload and no one would ever see it um, and yeah so I, I would just kind of start there and then I guess that that's where I ultimately have like found my my voice and maybe my confidence was by talking to other people that weren't people from my school. <laughs> right, I mean, was there a particular moment where you realized that, like, sort of your voice and your words, you know, have had, like, such, sort of, like, an important impact on your fans? Like, was there anything in particular? Um, I'd say when I posted my coming out video, mm -hmm. that was, like, the moment where I realized that having a platform meant I could do so much, you know, to help other people. Um, just because I turned to the internet when I was, like, you know, coming to terms with my own sexuality and um, those coming out videos on YouTube gave me so much strength that I just don't think I would have found otherwise. And so when I posted my video and, and saw people, you know, getting that same kind of strength from my video, I think that that's probably when I realized how impactful it could all be. Were you hesitant to, to come out in such a public way? Um, I mean, the only thing that had ever, at that particular time, no, because, you know, when I posted the video, I was already comfortable, I think, with everything, and and it also kind of, like, weighed up the, you know, okay, so sure, maybe my record label won't want to sign me anymore, let's say, or maybe I'll lose a bunch of fans, or whatever, and 
all of those things were so outweighed. As much as I love music and as much as I care about music, you know, I knew that I would be able to find another way to make music, or I knew that I would find fans who did accept me, you know. So all of those things were so far outweighed by just like being able to live happily and freely and openly. So um, yeah, that hesitance was kind of like thrown to the wayside or whatever because I just um, I just wanted to be happy. Yeah. Are there other performers that sort of, or YouTubers, or anyone that, you know, shape the way that you speak to your fans or your audience? Do you go, oh, I like the way, you know, that person's doing it, or I like the way that he's talking to his fans or she's sort of being in the press? Is there anyone sort of in music or otherwise that you go, oh, yeah, that's that's something I'd like to emulate? <laughs> I, I used to really like, I like a lot of, like, British singers for that reason. I think that they're really open and um, just kind of, like, really frank about everything. Yeah. Like, I love watching, like... Amy Winehouse interviews or Adele interviews or Lily Allen interviews or, you know just um, I think there's like kind of they're not necessarily as polished as as other stars are like publicly and that's something that I think I really appreciate but um, I don't know I think that my like the way that I talk to my audience is so heavily informed by my audience like I see what they respond to and I see you know I'm such an active part of the conversation that like all I'm doing is really like responding back, you know, so it feels just natural to do it the way that I'm doing it. So the conversation will go wherever they sort of take it. and they Exactly, yeah. Right, right. Um, for this record uh, that's coming out, you've got a number of collaborations. Um, and on the EP, you've actually worked with a Toronto artist, uh, Ali X, mm -hmm. um, on the song Bite. Um, can you describe sort of how the songs for Blue Neighborhood have come together? I mean, what's the sort sure. of process? So it started off with me... Well, I got signed and then I didn't know where to start writing-wise, so my record label started putting me into writing sessions with other artists or other songwriters. Were you hesitant and, about that? Because some artists can be really sort of like, fic like, oh, I don't really want to go into co-writes. Well, yeah, I just um, was so, like, probably naive about the whole process that I was just like, sure, I'll try and Happy to be here. And I, I really didn't like my first co-write. It was, it's just stressful sometimes. Um, and like I'd say out of 10 random co-writes, maybe one will like, you'll get something that you'll be really, really proud of and you'll feel like you're really connected with the person and everything. And so um, for my first EP, it was a lot of those random sessions and then doing just like a shit ton of them until I felt like I had four songs that I was happy with. Um, and then approaching this, the writing for Wild and ultimately Blue Neighborhood, it was like about, I had found people that I really, really liked, one of them being Ali and um, and this other girl Alex Hope and this guy Leland um, and so I started just writing with the same people over and over again and after sifting through all these other co-writes you're like you've narrowed it down I like collaborating with these right people. and I still did I do the random session every now and then where I'll go in and meet someone but um, now I'm just like spoiled with these people that I think are insanely talented and we just get each other and it's like don't have to start from scratch you know it's so awkward to introduce yourself to someone and and you have to like sum up the the kind of music that you want to make in like ten minutes, and you have to tell them your deepest, darkest secrets so that yeah. you can write an honest, open song about something. You know, so the whole concept is like really weird. Whereas these people I've now been writing with and know, and they're some of my best friends outside of the writing room, and they know me like you know, and they know we also understand the complexities of the music. Like we can write a song that's really, really poppy for me. But it's still, for me, you know, they're like, oh, wow, Troy, this is a really, like, puppy side of you. But it still sounds ultimately like me because they understand 
who I am as an artist and I think I understand who I am as an artist finally and so um, yeah having that connection with people is like you can't compare it to to a random session right well I guess some of the appeal about doing creative work or writing music is that you're excited to do it it's not even work but I guess when you're going right. to a situation in like a, a co-write there's probably stress it's probably like not exciting to get down to it yeah. and then once you have this sort of group of people that you want to work with it's like let's start right exactly yeah also I think you typically know if a co-writer is going to work or not work within like the first hour and then I'm too polite to like leave so I have spent a lot of time just like sitting in the studio being like <laughs> yeah that's sick and just like letting people do that thing right yeah um was there anything you were listening to sort of while making this like certain influences things that you really sort of pushed the way you wanted this record to sound I think ultimately like three of my all-time favorite albums are fairly like modern albums actually um, like Dark Twisted Fantasy mm. by Kanye Channel Orange by Frank Ocean and Pure Heroin by Lord those are albums to me that I can listen to like hundreds of times and hear something new every time even if it's just like in the mix something is like panned and I'm like oh shit I'm listening on headphones and I didn't know that that was there before you know it's like or lyrically or whatever you know they just they felt like um like art pieces to me rather than just like here's 12 separate songs that I worked on and then you know once I had 12 I grouped them together and here's that particular group of songs you know it felt really like thought out and deliberate to me and um that was definitely a goal that I wanted to to kind of strive for to like have noticeable cohesion like yeah not not even necessarily like um you know I I thought about maybe doing like interludes and stuff like that sure. like to literally actually tie the songs together but I think that um you know the cohesion for me in Blue Neighborhood is I think it's the writing you know it's it's all obviously I wrote on every single song and so um it all comes from me and ultimately then I think the cohesion comes from these are all songs from the perspective of like a 20 year old kid who's gay and you know going through this like crazy professional life but also has this really really normal home life and blah 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 blah, blah. and um that's obviously throughout the entire record so I think that people can listen to the whole record the whole record and while maybe song X sounds slightly different to song Y they can still hear that hopefully they can still hear that there's like honesty and and it's really really real and both are just kind of you know different sides of maybe my personality and different sides of the sound but ultimately it's still coming from the same place and the same voice it's all authentic yeah yeah um lastly you know because in your music uh you know on your youtube channel you are sort of so generous about sharing you know what you're thinking personal life is there anything that you won't talk about definitely yeah i think the one thing that i have learned over the like i've been online for like almost half my life and <laughs> um yeah i think i've learned now i'm still learning but just you know, one of the coolest things about online is that it's ultimately me who's sharing, you know what I mean? So I... You dictate. What yeah, exactly. And so I think it's just about keeping that in check and just thinking, why do I want to share this? Do I really want to share this? And just like having that little monologue with myself um, and, you know, yeah, I, there's, you know, just like family and when I'm at home, I tend to not post as much on social media and, um, you know, don't take out your phone at dinner time, don't like just like normal human things that today I don't have service in Canada because it's going to cost me a million dollars and so I'm just like sure I'm having a mild panic attack all the time but at the same time I'm like this is probably a, not a bad thing that I'm right. off the internet for the day 
All right, you just listened to Troy. Shane, you were actually producing the Troy one. You were in the room with, with me and Troy. Oh, yeah, that guy had perfect skin, yes. <laughs> perfect skin, huh? I realized that's the key to being an actor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like, you can be attractive, but you can't have um, oily skin and, like, r- rough skin and be an actor at the same time. Okay, so here's the deal, guys. I, I've talked about this. Uh, we, The three of us got together before Max left for Europe. Which is like two months ago. Two months ago. Yeah. And we recorded uh, a review of It Follows for Halloween. That actually tells you how long ago it is if you're listening to these uh, chronologically. We recorded a review of It Follows. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a good time. We <laughs> yeah. talked about it. You guys leave. <laughs> <laughs> now you remember. I heard right? a noise Max just good. made. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Max uh, got out of here. Shane got out of here. I went back to my computer and I realized none of the audio data was there. It had crashed. I'd lost everything. I'm a fool. I'm no sort of engineer, clearly. But we said we'd do it again. So last week, what did we talk about? Last week, we talked about the rap battle thing. That, that's, what, yeah. that's what happened. I was supposed to review um, the thing. The thing. <laughs> John Carpenter's did, The Thing. Did, did you want to, I wrote, I brought a little notebook again. Did you want to update uh, on the rap battle what happened there at all? Actually, yes. For our listeners, for context, if you listen to our last episode with Chris Hadfield, at the end, Shane came on. He was supposed to review the thing. He just ended up talking about how he was at a house party and got in a massive rap battle with a dude uh, called The Nut who gets drunk and insane. Shane won that rap battle, according to Shane. So the the Nut heard uh, the pod, obviously. He's a big Mike on Much podcast <laughs> fan. In our uh, Facebook message group that we have, which uh, probably has about 20 of our friends, I'd yeah. say at this point. Uh, it took on a life of its own. Basically what happened was after the pod went live on the Wednesday, our Facebook group started blowing up where the nut <laughs> denied that he had lost the rap battle. Yeah. We started getting corroborating, like basically witnesses to say whether Shane won, whether the nut won. I had to get screen grabs from my girlfriend and send them like, see, she corroborates the story, but that's not a reliable witness. No. She's my girlfriend. Big point of contention. So then there was some, some question as to who actually won the rap battle. It caused a huge uh, uproar in the Facebook group. So then it ended up getting so out of hand that the, the next party was a, supposed to be a housewarming. It basically became like a venue for the new rap battle, <laughs> including a, a beat machine was brought. We brought in a DJ with original yeah, beats. Yeah, so your friend Simon, I was this party. DJ Simon Jane actually created beats for this. Yeah, she, she he came in from Toronto. He got a hotel in Hamilton. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. And, he, and he was, and he was uh, very excited about, you know, being a part of it. So, you know, I, I wasn't too worried about it. The nut's an easy target uh, sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I went into it fairly uh, relaxed, but then I forgot I had a wedding that day. Of the rap battle. Right. Congrats on getting married, by the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> so you went to a wedding with your girlfriend. I went to a wedding, but the wedding started at 2.30, and then by 3, it's just drinks. Uh, and th- I don't know any people here. When I don't know what to do, usually I start drinking. Like, <laughs> if there's an open bar, like, I'm just going to, like, waste time in the lineup just to kill some time because I don't really know how to talk to, to people sober or whatever. So I... Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> bridge over that. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I, uh, you know, at at three, I, the hour from three to four, I had five beers. From four to five, I had ten beers, et cetera. Ten beers? Yeah. Uh, so all in all, and I uh, the drinks didn't stop once dinner came either. I probably drank a whole bottle of wine. So I'm like out of my mind. I was like making phone calls, talking to people. I didn't even know what I was doing. And then the nut started messaging me at the table. He's And he sent me a picture of his face like, you're not funny. Come and get it. And then... <laughs> Then I Instagrammed the picture of his face and started making fun of him on like uh, my social media. 
And then that became like a social media war, like in the comment section that went on for like, I think it was 14 comments. Oh, yeah. We were all watching because all of us were at this housewarming party waiting for the champ to arrive. Because you were at that wedding. We were all just yes. waiting for you to show up. And the nut was sitting there ready for the fight, ready for the battle. So, uh, and then my, uh, we're trying to set up my other friend, Dan. I wasn't even going to go to the rap battle because I was very f***ed up. But we met a girl at the wedding who I showed her a picture of Dan. And she wanted to pursue Dan a little bit. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's go to this house party. And then I'll like kick some rap ass or whatever on the, in, the, in the meanwhile while they're falling in love. So uh, we, <laughs> that's how on. it works. So we show up to the rap battle and that's when I really don't have any memory. I just, <laughs> I just know I woke up with this horrible feeling. Like it almost felt like I cheated on my girlfriend or I did something very bad, but I didn't know what. And then I just had like this weird flashback of like uh, everyone going, whoa, like, you know how they do that in a rap battle? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, has that. And I was like, oh, Alex, like what happened? She's like, you were horrible. She's, like, <laughs> she's just like, you were the worst. Like you just froze. You didn't do anything. It was like very bad. And I was like, okay. So I, I just had to take it. And then I looked at all the comments of the, the nut and on my Instagram. And I feel guilty for saying all that stuff in such a public forum. And then I just changed my caption to Rap Battle King. And he was very happy. And he screen grabbed that and put it in the, uh-huh. the, the message group. But then Alex, who had seen me do it well before she's like i don't even know anymore did were you a good freestyle she's like can you freestyle (laughs) and then uh she i noticed every time we were drinking she's like hey i'm i'm gonna say some words just start freestyling and i was like no 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 and then the the next night she was like no seriously i want to see if you can freestyle like (laughs) test me and then i'm like really sweating so then she's like scrambled eggs and throws it out and i'm like it's like fight or flight at this point but then i (laughs) killed it i went on like a two minute rampage really? and i felt very good can you about remember it. Any yeah of the give vibes? us a sample i can't i honestly i i can't oh, remember how convenient i swear to god <laughs> i wouldn't be saying this i hear alex listens to this pod like trust me she's very honest and i would not lie about it scrambled eggs scrambled eggs yeah but now i feel Come like on. okay wait you can't say scrambled eggs oh now i gotta rap okay on, what's up well give give, give uh mikey give him yeah one. all right <laughs> give, give him a word <laughs> Bagels. Yo, I'm eating some bagels. What rhymes with bagels? Nut and honey. I'm going to lose my money and my job because going down like me, but I'm smiling. No frown. Yo, man, everyone laughs because I'm the clown. What's up? Where's my mound of money? It's gone. Where's my honey? She's going to be gone in about six with no money. Six months. I got a hunch. I ain't going to have a pot to piss and eat or eat lunch. <laughs> that is the end of my rap. And I hope you guys end with a clap. Thank you. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't great. But, you know, like, I'm good. not. If the nut was here, I'd like to think I could beat him. Yeah. I'm not. Bagels is a hard word to start. It was. Bagels is the worst sorry, word ever, Mike. So I'm I had sorry. to kind of ignore it. Yeah. No. Was that fine. a setup to make me fail? No, I couldn't. I, is I the pick- nut texting you right now? No, he, yes. Right. <laughs> Actually, the nut wanted to come on and defend himself. But I mean, at then this he point. he kind of pissed out, though. He's like, well, let, no one wants maybe, to hear about a rap maybe battle. Maybe we do a rap battle live on the podcast. With those two. With I'll, those two. D- I'll do it. And when I'm sober, I'm somewhat. Okay. Sharp. Next so week. We're doing round we're three. Yeah. So, so Shane won round one. Yeah. Disputably. The nut won round two. Yeah, I was there. De- he definitely he decimated you. I also heard a rumor, by the way, that he was being fed lines. Ooh. And a lot of pizza from the looks of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he okay. You know what? Next week we will do it. Let's 
it. We'll have the rap battle. So we'll there you have it. Simon Jane. We'll get the turntable back. Oh. Or maybe I'll just beatbox. Yeah. I, that was good too, Max. That was a very nice beatbox. Oh, thank you. So after all of that, it follows. We quite liked it. Yes, we did uh, like it. Um, like just, it was two weeks ago we recorded. But yeah, I was mentioning that uh, It Follows was truly terrifying for me. It, it was also a very cool movie, first and foremost. But it did scare me to like my core because two of my biggest fears are um, after I have sex with someone, something very terrifying happening afterwards. And my other fear well, is... So like in the form of an STT or pregnancy? Like herpes, anything like that. So I always CD really. AIDS... AIDS. Yeah. AIDS is a big one. I've had numerous AIDS tests. Even if I'm wearing like three condoms, I'll get an AIDS Charlie test. Charlie Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Topical. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's HIV, though, he has. It's, yeah. yeah. Let's not be ignorant, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm about. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, so, and being followed. Like, yeah. literally being followed mm-hmm. by people or persons your two fears are contracting an std and being followed yes and uh and that's basically what the, movie the plot of follow. the film is once you sleep with somebody uh you then are actually followed like it's, it's it's a horror movie and it's very effective and it's very good but basically this this girl sleeps with this guy and then now she basically is is trying to outrun like kind of an entity right and uh just to throw a little like uh crowbar in a story here about um I had a 60-year-old friend when I was young. He was 65 uh, when I was younger, and uh, he, w- he wouldn't stop following me. Hold on, yeah. hold on. So how, old were you, so you, how old were you when you had a 65-year-old friend? I was 23. Okay, and he was 65. And he was 65. Okay. And How did you meet him? I met him at a Tim Hortons when I was, I was landscaping, and every day for my lunch break, I'd, I'd go to this Tim Hortons. Okay. And then... I dropped my muffin on the ground. I always got a low-fat blueberry muffin. And then he said, that must be one tasty muffin uh, if I'm going to eat it off the ground. Oh, right? you picked it I, up. I dropped it on the ground and then bit it. And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. And then he started driving me home from work. And, and did you ask him, like, what he did? Like, what? Yeah, he was a construction worker. He's like, right off the, he mentioned that he had three kids. Uh-huh. So, you know, I put my mind at ease. I was like, oh, and I felt like I could kill this guy. I was very, like, in shape at the at the time. Little fat blueberry muffins. Yeah, little fat blueberry muffins, <laughs> look, exactly. That, that's a fair thought. So I'm like, I'm going to kill this guy, and I really, he's saving me, like, an hour waiting for the bus and all that. Uh-huh. Anyways, I ended up casting him in a short film called Cops, so you, where he played a police develops. chief. Friendship develops. Uh, a couple you years go by, we're, like, very close friends, you know. Uh, we're going to the gym together. We're... Everything's everything that you'd want in a friend he had. So anyways, I end up winning this MTV contest called S Trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get to go to 30 countries in three months and be basically like a, a tour guide, like a, a, a VJ for a traveling tour guide for around the world. It, it, culm- it was supposed to culminate with me doing a show on MTV live in Hawaii. Okay. So this was a fairly big deal for me. You won this thing with like a, a skit you made, a short. That's how you got in. That's how you won. And you cast this 65-year-old dude in, in, oh, in so the he was skit. in the original. Yes. Like, and so- we'd also been part of a, uh, a Quentin Tarantino contest where this man played Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, he dressed up as him in uh, Pulp Fiction, and we got to meet Quentin Tarantino and all that stuff. Too. <laughs> really? So MTV knew of of this man also. So anyways... <laughs> Uh, the the guy uh, the older guy goes I'm I'm going to come with you on all the destinations like he felt like maybe he had a part in it because he was in this, the the video 
And he's your friend. And I'm like, they're not going to pay for it. He's like, I'll pay for it myself. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, f- like I'm, I'm terrified. He's going to follow me everywhere. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm not going to be able to do my own thing. So I just avoid him. I avoid him. I avoid him. I, I, I message MTV. I'm like, hey, this makes me uncomfortable. Like, can you do anything to stop him coming with me? He starts following me everywhere. Starts showing up on my work, showing up at my house, but I'm just avoiding him. So then I concoct a plan with my girlfriend at the time to move to Mexico <laughs> for two months to, to lay low while the heat dies down, you know, and then I'll come back and he'll have forgotten about me and be like, F- that guy, it's over. So you were ducking this guy so hard and instead of just having the conversation with them, you were just going to move to there Mexico. There was no dealing with them. Honestly, it got crazy, like, like a little bit obsessive. It made, it made me uncomfortable. Everyone was calling me gay, not that anything's wrong with that, but it got a little extreme. There was rumors going around that- People at the time thought that you and this older man had been in a relationship. Yeah, and I didn't care because ultimately it was, uh, the friendship was worth it. Anyways, uh, one day I get a, uh, a message on my phone. It says, I have a package. I'm going to drop this package off at your father's if you do not contact me within 24 hours. This message is from the 65 year old. He just leaves a phone message. Yeah. And my dad, my, my parents are divorced and my dad is like, you, you don't f- around. You don't leave packages in his place. I'm, I'm like, I could handle anything with my mom, but if my dad sees something embarrassing about me. I'm going to be humiliated. So I call him immediately. I'm like, Hey, we're leaving messages and texting him relentlessly every hour on the hour. Don't nothing happens. Next message. Next day, the package has been delivered. <laughs> I'm like, what the f-? I'm like, I'm like, I call him. I'm like, what the f- do you mean the package has been delivered? I've been messaging you nonstop. He goes, oh, shit. He's like, I left my phone on airplane mode. <laughs> so, and he's, he was older. He didn't know how to work his phone properly. So I call. Do you believe that? Yes, I 100% do. He only wanted to contact me. I know. I, and he always so up he with his w- phone. His Bluetooth, he'd always it up. He wasn't super keen to deliver this package to your father. Absolutely not. He was just keen on talking to me. So I call my dad, my stepmom answers. I go, hey, do you get a package? She's like, yes, we did. I go, please don't open it. She goes, oh, no, no, we won't. I can tell she's opened it. Just by the tone <laughs> of her voice. I get the package. It's clearly been tampered with and tried to be resealed and all that shit. So I'm like, okay, let's see what's in the package. It's this huge letter that I've, uh, I have unprotected sex. I've, uh, Hold I, on, a, a letter from? From to my parents. Like, hey. A letter you, from the 65-year-old man. Yes. It's like. <laughs> we will bleep his name. Yes. If and, he's, still, he's still with us, right? <laughs> yes. He's still alive. Yeah, go on. Um, and then it says, uh, you know, he has unprotected sex constantly. <laughs> and uh, he's contracted herpes and genital warts. He also uh, takes advantage of me financially and makes me uh, pay for things. And here's all the receipts from, you know, at this point it was like four years worth of, uh, we'd go to Tim Hortons often, right? So, you know, he'd be like- <laughs> a lot of low-fat blueberry yeah, muffins. Yeah. He's like, hey, you want a muffin? You want to get a soup? I'm like, okay. And at that age, I didn't know this, but I always thought older people always pay. You know, and that's probably not being a good friend on my part, but he seemed older. He had a good job, all this. So I'm like, okay, if he's paying for a $3 soup and here and there, whatever, he's not going to hoard the receipts forever and then charge me later, probably. Uh, I was wrong about that. And then, uh, so anyways, it's over $1,000 worth of receipts. 
And <laughs> no. it was, yeah, it was, it was a ton of money. And then I ended up going to the, just going to the bank, taking out almost every cent I owned at the time, making it a money order. And it cost $30 to make it a money order, <laughs> threw it in the old man's car. And I said, you know, don't talk to me anymore. So and that he, was you paying him off? Basically. Yeah. And then he wouldn't leave my driveway. And then my mom's like, he's got to get the f- out of here. I'm like, I'm like, get out of here, get out of here. And he wouldn't leave. And then I jump kicked his uh, mirror off his car. He's like, oh shit. And he, and, but it was attached to like some electronics. So he just drove away with the mirror or, or the dangling off his car. Wow. Yeah. And what? he said, and then that was it. Yeah. Was that the last time you ever saw him? No, we ended up shooting a documentary together. Actually, <laughs> we rekindled. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We ended up doing a doc. Like, you know, it was kind of water on the bridge. Once I moved to Toronto, it was a good separation where he didn't yeah. he didn't know where I lived and stuff. But for you, it follows was traumatizing. Well, it had all the elements. I was being followed. It talked about like after I had sex, I got an STD. He said, which is not true, by the way. I do, don't have. Oh burpees. yes, we should probably clear that yeah. part up. I had some genital warts, but they were burned off and they haven't grown back. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Always with the genital warts jokes. That's it, and that is all. That is our episode. One thing I want to say is for all of these episodes, uh, someone's been helping us with all the guests. Uh, Alana Dyer, who's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah. So we just want to give her a shout-out for uh, all the great work she's she's been doing for the podcast. Very supportive. Uh, lots of great ideas. She's, uh, yeah, been amazing to work with. Indeed. As always, the artwork for the Michael Much podcast is done by Jenna Gregory. You can find her stuff at jennasdoodles.com. I also want to uh, say subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, post the YouTube clips on your Facebook and say, listen to this podcast to all your friends. Uh, the more the merrier, as far as we're concerned. The Michael Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend. Yeah.